Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. My goal for the podcast is to help you live a better life in retirement by giving you the tools and information you need in a language that you can understand. This is episode number 100. We finally got there. So for the 100 episode special, I wanted to go over some of the best listener questions that have been submitted so far, I guess, in the first quarter, first and second quarter of 2022. Now, you may be thinking, how are people submitting their questions? Well, they're going to our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And at the very bottom, it'll say, ask Greg a question. They're typing their question in and submitting. So pretty simple. There are some people that are booking phone meetings with me right there on the website, which you're more than welcome to. I'd be happy to walk through any questions you have or retirement discussions that might help you out. But I've got a handful of questions here, probably six or seven, everything from an inheritance planning to social security to withdrawal strategies in retirement. So today we'll try to get to as many of those questions as we can. I haven't really prepared answers to these, and I don't. I just kind of read them and think about them for a second and give you my best advice or insights as if you're my uncle, you're my brother, you're my sister sitting here right next to me. That's the advice I'm going to give you. So that's what we have in store for today. Before we get into our listener questions for this episode, I wanted to remind listeners, maybe some of you are new to the podcast. If you are, I want you to check out our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. You can listen to all 99 previous episodes. And I also have developed some resources that I think will be really, really helpful for you. And this year for 2022, I have kind of refined a three-step process to retirement. Number one, underneath the resources tab, you'll want to download my blueprint to a dream retirement. That's number one. I know one thing about retirement. You can't hit a target that you can't see. And you got to figure out what you want. When do you want to retire? What are you going to do in retirement? Do you want a paid off house? Do you want a lake house in retirement? Do you want to move to Florida? Do you want to spend time with family, spend more and more time with family? Maybe you want to be more involved with your church. What are your dreams and visions of this dream retirement that you have? You have to write that down. So with retirement, I see so many people that they don't plan to fail, but they fail to plan. And they just wait until, okay, I'm 65 years old. I guess I should get some help. I would recommend when you're 63, 62, maybe even 60, reaching out and starting to put together a retirement plan to figure out if you're on track or what you can do between now and retirement to make it a success. Now, so we talked about step number one, blueprint to a dream retirement. Step number two, we have to put some parameters around what your retirement will cost. So we have a budgeting tool right there underneath the resources tab. You can plug in, hey, how much is this going to cost me every month to live in retirement? So many people tell me, well, I heard I'm going to spend 80% of what I did while I was working in retirement. Well, guess what? That's not true. That's one of my top five retirement myths. I think that's episode number one. That's the very first episode I ever did on the podcast. So I might be a little shaky, but the content's good there. So what I want to point out is there are people that spend more money in retirement when every day is a Saturday. Maybe they're eating out more. Maybe they're spending more money on gas and traveling more. So for many people, 
retirement can be more expensive than when they were working. So you need to really complete that budgeting tool and figure out, okay, my blueprint to a dream retirement, we have to put some parameters and figure out what that's going to cost us every month so we can plan and say, okay, how am I going to be able to afford this? And by this, I mean your dream retirement, the dream retirement that you've been working and saving for all of these years. So those are steps one and two. Again, blueprint to a dream retirement, that's step one. If you're married, fill that out with your spouse. Believe me, just by doing that, it'll help your relationship. Step number two is fill out our budgeting tool that's available right underneath the resources tab. And then step number three, that will be your retirement action plan. That'll be another important resource that I'm going to be releasing in June of this year. So check back to our website. Again, step number three is your retirement action plan. That's truly where the rubber meets the road. So visit our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. You'll find everything you're looking for right there. Let's go ahead and jump in to today's podcast, answering all of your listener questions from the first quarter of 2022. First question comes from Bill, and I'm going to read these exactly so they might be a little long. Bill writes, Greg, I enjoy the podcast. I want to retire in two years. I just got an inheritance from my mom when we sold her house. I owe $80,000 on my mortgage, and my inheritance is $100,000. Other than the mortgage, I am debt-free. I checked you out, and I know you are a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro, so you would probably tell me to pay off my house. I just don't know if this is the best idea because my mortgage rate is only 3%. What should I do? Bill, thank you for your question. Let's talk through your question here. So inheriting $100,000 from mom, I'm assuming it was her primary residence, so likely the $100,000 there won't be any taxes on that $100,000. So you'll be able to take 80 and pay off your mortgage, just like I would probably recommend. Here's the thing. In two years, you want to be retired. That's what you mentioned. And do you want a mortgage going into retirement? Do you want that mortgage payment? If it's me, I don't want that mortgage payment. I would go ahead and pay that mortgage off today and then think of the money that you'll be saving in your monthly payment, right, from principal and interest. Take that money and do something with it. Either beef up your emergency fund or some kind of sinking fund, or maybe you want a dollar cost average into your retirement investments. Maybe for the next two years, you can save more for retirement and thus improve your retirement position. Then you got to figure out, what am I going to do with that extra $20,000 that you inherited from mom? Now, of course, I don't know Bill's full situation here. He mentioned he wants to retire in two years. It's possible that this inheritance may allow him to retire earlier than he had originally planned. So Bill, I would kind of recommend updating your retirement action plan. In my opinion, everybody needs a written retirement plan. And something like this, like an inheritance, calls for an update to that retirement plan. One thing I'll mention as far as the mortgage bill, you were assuming that I was going to tell you to, yes, pay off your mortgage. Yes. Here's the thing, Bill. If a couple years go by and you say, you know, gosh, I missed that mortgage, you can always go out and take out a home equity loan. You can always run out and get you another mortgage. That's not a problem. It may be a little higher than 3% at that point, but you can always go out and get another mortgage. The fact of the matter is, 
I've never met someone who has retired with a paid off house and missed having a mortgage so much that they ran out and got another mortgage to get money out of the home. I've never seen it. I've always seen people that want to have a house paid off, a mortgage paid off so they can live on less money every month in retirement and they're not continuing to pay some bank and making some bank very wealthy by keeping their mortgage around. So Bill, I hope that helps you out. And again, like I said, now's a perfect time to update your retirement plan. Next question comes from Catherine. Catherine writes, Greg, thanks for the podcast. I have learned a lot. Although we are new to a lot of this, we feel like we understand what you explain really well. My question is about annuities. We met with an advisor that presented two annuities that came with guarantees. The guy was kind of slick and said the annuity was free, but he still got paid somehow. Do annuities have fees? What should we know about annuities? Catherine, thank you for your submission to our website. So to answer your question as plainly as I can, some annuities have fees. Other annuities don't have fees, but they have what's called surrender charges. So if you purchase this annuity and you cash it out within five years or seven years or 10 years, there would be some surrender charges. So in other words, some annuities are very illiquid without paying some type of surrender charge. Surrender charges are different than fees. So if you're new to this, Catherine, and it doesn't sound like you're very familiar with annuities and you haven't purchased one, I would be very, very cautious, very careful, and make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. So what you need to learn about annuities is, okay, what is the surrender charge? If you were to change your mind and say, okay, I want to get out of this thing, how long do those surrender charges apply? The other thing is you have to understand, okay, are there fees? That's important. But what is the purpose of this annuity, right? What is the purpose? Some people will buy an annuity because they have tax deferral. Other people will buy an annuity because it gives a fixed interest rate. They're called fixed annuities. There are other annuities that have riders like lifetime income riders or death benefit riders. Those cost money. So the insurance company will charge you a fee for those types of riders. You can choose to add those riders on or leave them off. The one thing that you mentioned that I kind of chuckled at in my head was you said that the guy was kind of slick. Well, if the guy was kind of slick, like a used car salesman, I would be very, very cautious. When you're interviewing an advisor or hiring a financial planner like myself, so many people ask me, how do I pick one? And what I would tell you is it's kind of a gut feeling. Number one, you have to like the person. Number two, you, you got to trust them. And number three, you have to believe that what they're recommending is right for you and your family. If you can't say yes to all three of those, just keep looking, interview other advisors. So when I hear someone describe someone as slick, well, that tells me, well, they probably don't trust the person. So that's one of the three that we can't check off. Catherine, between you and me, if I asked my clients to describe me, I would really, really hope that they would not describe me as slick. That would break my heart. Slick Willie or something like that. Oh boy. So <laughs> the other thing, Catherine, that I'll kind of end with is there's so much to know about annuities. They're a very complex product, but I would say overall, generally speaking, I don't like to see someone put more than 50% of their liquid net worth, meaning all of their liquid nest egg, like their retirement accounts 
don't put more than 50% of your liquid net worth in an annuity. So I'm hoping for your sake that that was not the recommendation. So be careful there, Catherine. Thank you for your question. Next question comes from Roger. Roger says, hello, I have a question about Social Security. I cannot be able to get my check or my wife get hers. I'm going to read that again. I cannot be able to get my check or my wife get hers. I'm assuming Roger mistyped that or, you know, Roger could have been drinking when he uh, typed this email out to us. I'm going to skip that. And then the next line says, can I claim half of hers and let mine ride until 70 when it is greatest? If I died, what do she get? Also, how can I give my boys money in my 401k without her knowing? This is my second wife, so she is not their mother. So a couple different questions that Roger had there. One was about Social Security. One was about what happened if he died. And then his 401k, how does he get that to his boys? So his question was, can he claim half of her benefit, which would be his spousal benefit, and let his ride until 70 when it is greatest. The only way you can do that, Roger, is if you were born on or before January 1st, 1954, which if you were born after that, you're disqualified. That was the filing a restricted application years ago. We used to do that a lot. I'll give you a really quick scenario. Let's say Roger's benefit was 3000 a month. At age 70, his wife's was $1,000 a month at her full retirement age, and they're the same age. So upon her starting her benefit at full retirement age, she would claim her benefit, which is $1,000 a month. Roger would claim 50% of her benefit, which is 500 bucks. And so between his full retirement age and 70, his benefit would grow by 8%. And then whenever he hit 70, he could claim his full $3,000 a month. That was kind of a loophole. Again, that was called filing a restricted application, and you can't do that anymore, unfortunately. Roger's other question says, if I died, what does she get? So if she's over 60 when you passed away, Roger, she would get a survivor benefit, which is typically the higher of the two benefits, if you were both collecting whenever you predeceased your wife. The other thing she would get is a whopping $255 lump sum payment. There's some certain criteria, some requirements to be eligible for that, but she would also get that as well. The last question was, can I give money to my boys from my 401k without her knowing? So you could list your boys as the primary beneficiary, but if your wife knew about the 401k and something happened to you, she would know, okay... She's not getting anything once she calls the 401k custodian because they wouldn't be able to release any information to her. Your boys would then call as beneficiaries. Now, you're in heaven at that point. In my experience, that's a kind of messy situation. I would rather you just have a candid discussion with your wife and say, hey, I have this 401k. I want to maybe list my boys as partial beneficiaries of it. Are you okay with that? But the only way to use 401k money to give it to your boys, if you take a withdrawal out of the 401k, you pay any taxes that might be due, and then you could gift that money, whatever's left after taxes, to your sons. That's totally up to you. If you want to tell your wife about it, great. If you don't want to tell your wife about it, that's up to you. 
Unfortunately, there's not a way to gift retirement accounts to somebody else. You have to take withdrawals out, pay the taxes, and then give them the money after taxes. Now, Roger, I don't know anything about your family. I don't know who gets along with who. So I'm just giving you options, not specifically making recommendations here. So I hope that insight helps you, Roger, as you face those decisions. Next question comes from Becky. Becky says, Greg, great podcast. On one episode, you talked about fighting inflation with Series I savings bonds. Can I put my 401k in those? Are they really paying over 7% interest? Becky, they were paying 7.12% interest. Now, as of May, they are paying 9.62% because inflation is so high. To answer your question, no, you cannot invest your 401k in those Series I savings bonds. They are limited to $10,000 per person per year. If you have a trust, Becky, you can purchase one in the name of a trust. So it's you. If you're married, your spouse could purchase one for $10,000 and then your trust. So that's $30,000 between both of you and your trust. But unfortunately, you can't use 401k money unless you were to take a distribution, pay the taxes, and then use what's left over to purchase one of these Series I savings bonds. Hope that helps. If you're curious about what I'm talking about, treasurydirect.gov, you can read all about Series I savings bonds, how they work, what interest they pay, how the interest is credited, all that good stuff. There's like a frequently asked questions. Read about it there, treasurydirect.gov. Last question this week comes from John. John says, hello, my question is about the 4% rule. I plan to keep my investments safe in retirement and draw 4% per year. That should last for 25 years if I get no growth at all. Is this smart? Well, John, I see where your head's at and saying, okay, if I take a 4% withdrawal and I did that for 25 years, I could deplete my nest egg with zero growth equally over those 25 years. The problem with that thinking and why it may not be wise is because you're forgetting about the cost of living. This year, we all know inflation is through the roof. Part of the reason why inflation is so high for everything we buy is the price of diesel is over $5 a gallon as a national average. And how do the goods get to the supermarkets? How do they get to the department stores? Well, it's all diesel, right? Diesel fuel. These trucks are shipping. The cost of freight has just gone way, way up. So the price of diesel fuel is a huge factor in inflation and the cost of all the goods that we buy every day. So if you think gas prices and diesel fuel prices don't impact all of the goods that we buy, then you are sadly mistaken. So John, what I'll point out is, yes, I do think it's unwise because I know in retirement, everything you buy will cost more. Every year, everything you buy will cost more. I have a client down in Florida that's in his 80s, and all of his golfing buddies retired on $50,000 pensions. Well, guess what? A fixed pension, when somebody retired 25 years ago, that was great. But every year, it bought less and less and less. And so this client of mine is saying that his golfing buddies are really, really struggling now. Yeah, they were great living on $50,000 25 years ago, but that same $50,000 doesn't buy as much now in 2022. Let me give you a specific example. If we say, okay, the cost of living over the past 30 years has gone up 2.9% per year. What does that mean? 
Well, what it means is, is in year one of retirement, if a box of Cheerios costs you $4, 30 years later, that same box of Cheerios will cost over $9 a box. So if you're still trying to live on that same fixed amount, like in John's example, taking 4%, let's say it's a million dollar portfolio and you're taking 4% per year for 25 years, that's 40 grand a year. Well, the cost of living is just eating you up every year as you go. So conceptually, it sounds great. My money should last 25 years, John. But in practice, because of inflation, it's a terrible idea. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time whatsoever, you know that one of the biggest risks in retirement that I see is inflation. It's like blood pressure. It's something you don't really pay attention to. But inflation, just like blood pressure, can be devastating to you. So, John, I hope that helps. And thank you for submitting your question. I hope this episode has been insightful and helpful. If you have questions, check out our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. I'll see you next week. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA, SIPC.